0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of cardiogenic shock found under the cardiovascular section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 65-year-old man is brought into the emergency room after being found at home unconscious. His family did not witness the event, but report that his past medical history includes hypercholesterolemia, diabetes, and hypertension. Vital signs are significant for a blood pressure of 86 over 50. On physical exam, he has jugular venous distension and cool extremities. An electrocardiogram reveals ST elevations in leads 2, 3, and AVF. This is a case of myocardial infarction. Let's continue with an introduction to cardiogenic shock. Clinically, it is defined as shock secondary to dysfunction of the heart and pump failure. Remember that the heart is unable to generate sufficient cardiac output to maintain tissue perfusion. In terms of the risk factors, these include coronary artery disease. With regards to the etiology, this may be cardiomyopic, which includes myocardial infarction as the most common cause, as well as cardiomyopathy, myocarditis, and drug-induced. Other etiologies include arrhythmias, mechanical causes such as septal defects or ruptured valves, and blunt cardiac trauma. In terms of the pathogenesis, there's an underlying event such as an MI which results in a decrease in cardiac output which causes decreased perfusion to tissue. The decrease in cardiac output and blood pressure then causes an increase in catecholamines, which increases vasoconstriction and increases myocardial oxygen demand. There's also an increase in renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, which increases vasoconstriction and retention of sodium and water. There's then an increase in shunting of blood to the brain and vital organs, which causes a decrease in perfusion to the peripheral organs. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms will depend on the etiology but symptoms for myocardial infarction will include chest pain and dyspnea, whereas for arrhythmias, it may include palpitations and syncope. On exam, one may note mental status changes, hypotension, tachycardia, pulmonary edema, such as diffuse lung crackles and distended jugular veins, as well as cool extremities and a decrease in urine output. In terms of imaging, echocardiography is indicated to identify the etiology of cardiogenic shock. Specific findings may include dilated ventricles, decreased ejection fraction and any anatomic abnormalities. In terms of further studies, an ECG is indicated to identify the etiology of a cardiogenic shock. Specific findings may include any arrhythmias or myocardial infarction. One may also perform a pulmonary artery catheterization. Specific findings may include an increase in pulmonary capillary wedge pressure greater than 15 millimeters of mercury, an increase in systemic vascular resistance, and a decrease in cardiac output. With regards to the differential, there are different types of shock. Let's quickly review the different features of the different types of shock. For hypovolemic shock, the skin will be cold and clammy. There will be a decrease in preload, increase in afterload, and decrease in cardiac output. For cardiogenic shock, the skin will also be cold and clammy. There will be an increase in preload, increase in afterload, and decrease in cardiac output. For obstructive shock, the skin will also be cold and clammy. There will be an increase or decrease in preload, an increase in afterload. And the cardiac output may stay the same or decrease. For distributive shock, there will be warm or dry skin, the preload will stay the same or decrease, afterload will decrease, and cardiac output may decrease or increase. When making the diagnosis of cardiogenic shock, remember that most of these cases are clinically diagnosed. In terms of treatment, the management approach always involves assessment of the ABCs. This stands for airway, breathing, and circulation. One should identify and treat the underlying cause. For example, revascularization in the case of myocardial infarction-induced cardiogenic shock. In terms of more specific options, conservative treatment includes supportive care, which is indicated for hypotension and wedge pressure of less than 15 millimeters of mercury. Specific modalities include fluid boluses and oxygen. Medical options include intravenous inotropic drugs. This is indicated to maintain perfusion. Specific drugs include dopamine, which is first line, as well as dobutamine and norepinephrine. And lastly, with regards to complications, this includes pulmonary edema and acute renal failure. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to cardiogenic shock, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 45-year-old man presents to the emergency department after being stabbed 12 times in various parts of his body. Paramedics report extensive blood loss at the scene where he was found. Due to his Glasgow Coma Scale score of 3, an endotracheal airway and large-bore axis are secured prior to arrival. He is aggressively resuscitated with the massive transfusion protocol as the operating room is prepared for an exploratory laparotomy. An arterial line and central axis are obtained. His temperature is 95 degrees Fahrenheit or 35 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 50 over 40 and pulse is 80 beats per minute and respirations are controlled at 20 breaths per minute on lung protective volume control. After a 6 to 6 to 1 ratio of red blood cells, plasma, and platelets, and the use of continuous phenylephrine infusion, the patient's vital signs remain the same. The surgical intern reports no active blood loss. A stat SCVO2 results as 39% with an SAO2 of 100% on 100% oxygen. His extremities remain cold despite having the ambient room temperature increase to 80 degrees Fahrenheit. What is the most likely cause of his presentation? And the answer choices are, Choice one, cardiac tamponade. Choice two, cervical spinal cord transaction. Choice three, occult hemorrhage. Choice four, pulmonary embolism. Or choice five, undiagnosed pneumonia. The best answer to this question is, choice one, cardiac tamponade. This vignette presents a patient initially with mixed shock physiology that bores out to a cardiogenic origin as its management advances. Among the answer choices, the most likely cause of his presentation is cardiac tamponade. As the name implies, cardiogenic shock is due to dysfunction of the heart, causing insufficient cardiac output to maintain tissue perfusion. This causes a catecholamine surge to increase vasoconstriction. This also increases myocardial oxygen demand, leading to a further weakened myocardium in the absence of sufficient oxygen supply. Although clinical history and a bedside echocardiogram are sufficient for diagnosis, Cardiogenic shock is further characterized by increased wedge pressure, which implies an increased preload, and decreased central venous oxygen saturation. Unrecognized cardiac tamponade can cause cardiogenic shock physiology. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Cervical spinal cord transection implies neurogenic shock, a type of distributive shock, and would be marked by decreased cardiac output and low central venous oxygen saturation. Choice 3. Occult hemorrhage implies hypovolemic shock, Which is marked by decreased cardiac output, decreased wedge pressure, and increased systemic vascular resistance. Choice 4. Pulmonary embolism implies obstructive shock. A massive central pulmonary embolism can present similarly to cardiogenic shock, but a more clinically likely diagnosis is available in this case. Choice 5. Undiagnosed pneumonia implies septic shock, a type of distributive shock, which is characterized by increased cardiac output, high central venous oxygen saturation, and decreased wedge pressure. Finally, a bullet summary. Cardiogenic shock presents with low cardiac output, increased wedge pressure, increased systemic vascular resistance, and decreased venous oxygen from increased oxygen extraction from the tissues due to poor circulation. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 71-year-old man presents to the emergency department with severe substernal chest pain. An initial EKG demonstrates ST elevation and leads V2, V3, V4, and V5 With reciprocal changes. The patient is started on aspirin and heparin and is transferred to the cardiac catheterization lab. The patient recovers over the next several days. On the floor, the patient complains of feeling very fatigued and feels too weak to ambulate, even with assistance of physical therapy. Chest radiography reveals an enlarged cardiac silhouette with signs of fluid bilaterally in the lung basis. His temperature is 98.4 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 85 over 50 pulse is 110 beats per minute, respirations are 13 breaths per minute, and oxygen saturation is 97% on room air. Which of the following would be expected to be seen in this patient? And the answer choices are choice one, decrease systemic vascular resistance. Choice two, decrease tissue oxygen extraction. Choice three, increased ejection fraction. Choice four, increased pulmonary capillary wedge pressure. Or choice five, increased venous oxygen content. The best answer to this question is choice four, increased pulmonary capillary wedge pressure. This patient is presenting with tachycardia, hypotension, and decreased exercise tolerance after experiencing a myocardial infarction, suggesting a diagnosis of cardiogenic shock. Cardiogenic shock is associated with an increased pulmonary capillary wedge pressure. Cardiogenic shock occurs when the heart is unable to pump blood forward, leading to hypoperfusion of the tissues. The most common cause is typically ischemic heart disease. Findings that can be seen in these patients include a low cardiac output, increased wedge pressure, increased systemic vascular resistance, and decreased venous oxygen. Treatment is typically centered on addressing the underlying cause and preventing further deterioration of the patient's condition. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, decreased systemic vascular resistance would be seen in neurogenic shock or septic shock as part of the underlying pathology. In cardiogenic shock, Systemic vascular resistance would be increased to compensate for the decreased cardiac output. Choice 2. Decreased tissue oxygen extraction would not occur in cardiogenic shock. Rather, one would expect to see increased oxygen extraction in the tissues. Choice 3. Increased ejection fraction may be seen in hypertension where the heart adapts with concentric hypertrophy and increased ejection fraction. Decreased ejection fraction would be seen in cardiogenic shock. Choice 5. Increased venous oxygen content would not occur in cardiogenic shock. Rather, the increased oxygen extraction in the tissues would result in a decreased venous oxygen content. Finally, a bullet summary. Cardiogenic shock presents with low cardiac output, increased wedge pressure, increased SVR, and a decreased venous O2. That's all for this review about cardiogenic shock. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the Med Bullet Step 2 and 3 Podcast.